Welcome to WDFG, broadcasting Dear Final Girl, the advice and horror podcast where we dish on life and other scary movies. Every final girl has a story. So does her Jason, her Freddy, her Michael. So do we horror fans. This episode is part of our adjunct series, Origin Stories, where horror fans recount the horror movie memories that made them who they are today. Hi, my name's Lee Evans. You may know me from Night of the Horror File, the show where I torture my wife with horror movies on a weekly basis. <laughs> Today I'm going to tell a story of a different kind. I'm going to tell you about how a cannibal with a chainsaw changed my life. You know, as far back as I can remember, there has been a few heavy drinking sessions since then, so my memory may be a little foggy. But my first dive into my favorite genre was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. At a ridiculously young age, I'd guess around five, I sat down and watched Chainsaw for the first time in front of my family's wood-paneled CRT television. That's the boxy monstrosities you younger folks probably see on your retro throwback exhibits like Stranger Things. It was here I was first introduced to the world of horror. The scene that stays with me constantly is when Sally's disabled brother Franklin gets the titular chainsaw. Something about seeing a man in a wheelchair who my parents had taught me to treat with the utmost respect get brutally murdered without hesitation scared the ever-loving shit out of me. Most kids would have freaked out and had to turn away, but we horror fans are cut from a separate cloth, aren't we? I looked on. I loved every minute of it. This was something most kids' parents would probably be ashamed to show their children, but not my folks. You'll hear me talk about my proverbial horror pushers like Joe Bob Briggs, old vinyl albums with John Zacherly singing at me, hell, even Scooby-Doo, but none of it would have been possible without my alternative parents. <laughs> my mother and father love slashers, and not just mainstream stuff. Their favorite is Terror Train, the post-Halloween Jamie Curtis vehicle. That was, as my mom put it, their date movie. There's probably a good chance I was conceived during slasher movie people. My parents loved Texas Chainsaw. My mother, of course, bought into the whole quote-unquote true story behind the film and always stood by her story that she lived only a few towns away from someone who swore they knew the Sally character. So I owe my parentals the utmost thanks for getting the ball rolling. From the beginning, my parents were very supportive of my obsession, so... It was always okay to like these flicks. Society, however, was less forgiving. Sadly, I was a 90s kid, and so I didn't get to experience my favorite horror films when it was fresh, but it resonated with me still. Growing up, I caught the tail end of the satanic panic, when Dungeons & Dragons sessions with your buddies were equated to gathering the forces of evil to further your witch's coven. The fear of evil was very real, so as a wee horror fan, my interaction was limited for fear of being labeled a little weirdo, or worse yet, be compared to the West Memphis Three who were convicted of heinous murders, only on the fact that they weren't normal in the eyes of church leaders and ignorant parents. This may all seem crazy to some of you, but when you lived in the South and in the Bible Belt that is Oklahoma, it was a very real fear. So I secluded myself. And horror was just a passion. Horror, however, was still therapeutic behind those scenes. I was like many of us at the time, an outcast. Not unlike Leatherface. 
Texas Chainsaw's undertones of social commentary became clearer as I aged. And not to make you listeners question my sanity, but one could almost identify with the killer. Here was a family of outcasts. Not by their choosing, of course, but because of their position in life, the entire family gets driven from their jobs at a slaughterhouse because of automation. Hell, that kind of thing still happens now. When you think about it, of course. And when you do think about it, are we all just one job lost away from doing whatever we can to survive? But that's for another story. It didn't really occur to me what Toby Hooper's revolutionary low-budget slasher meant until a certain moment after a messy divorce and a severely dark point in my life when I was drinking so much I attempted to hang myself in my own apartment that I was being evicted from. <laughs> Luckily, I was too sloppy and the ceiling fan didn't support my ample frame, and I only passed out. I apologize for being frank about this, but it's truth. A much older woman that I had been sort of seeing but had no business being with at the time took me into her place, and that's where I came to. All I wanted was more whiskey and a movie to lose myself into. And guess what I found in her collection? That's right. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'd be lying if I sat here and told you that a horror movie saved my life, but it did help. I can't explain it, but seeing the movie... And all those scenes brought back some joy and made me happy for the first time in a while. After that viewing, I left the dark part of my life behind me and moved forward. And now I'm better because of horror. Depression is a serious thing, and I do want to make it clear that talking to people is the biggest help. But horror was the catalyst that got the ball rolling. It's funny, a movie some folks would dismiss as being that chainsaw slasher, or even a lower form of art holds a special place in my heart, as do all horror movies. For this uh, little side story thing, it was hard to pin down one movie, as I could pick up any movies in my collection right now and give you a story behind why it's important to me. I do wish Toby Hooper was still with us. Especially now. It would be great to have him on my show and maybe thank him for all his work and the time he was basically there to make me happy when no one else could. I feel like this is why I defend horror movies, even the so-called bad ones. Because every movie potentially holds a deeper meaning to someone. And so, horror has once again become therapeutic. It can take me back to that shag carpet in my family's den, that wood panel television set, and the smell of my mother's cooking. All why the best scream queen who ever graced the screens runs from the wonderfully manic Leatherface in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And for a slice of time, my troubles are gone till the credits roll. Hello. Okay, so that was Lee Evans of Night of the Horror File um, talking about um, how a cannibal with a chainsaw uh, changed his life, saved his life. changed, Changed his life, and then later he does talk about you know, on, to some degree, saving it as well. So thank you, Lee, so much. You know, there are so many different ways that people can tell their origin stories. And really, Lee touches on it himself when he says, you know, I could pick up just about any movie in my collection yeah. and I would have a story about it. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that, you know, a, a number of the stories that we've had so far, I mean, they always touch the personal. And that's really the point. I mean, one of the common themes of origin stories is just how much horror was a formative part of, of, of all of us, you know, growing up. Um, and there were, and often um, it, it was, and it continues to be a coping mechanism for difficult life situations. And so I just want to thank Lee, you know, he's, he's just always such a honest, straightforward guy. Um, he and Brittany are doing God's work with Night of the Horror Files for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, um, and I really, I just want to thank him. Thank you, Lee, for your, for your openness and your willing to share. And I bet just about everybody out here listening um, can can understand and relate uh, on on some level. Um, so yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, and I, I think it's really, gosh, Lee is such a huge advocate for uh, mental health, for reaching out to people, for. Um, for speaking openly about his own suicide attempt and his, uh, like, that it you may feel alone now, but there are people here, you know, reach out, please, um, you know, that's not the answer, right? Um, and I, I think that in these isolating times... <laughs> Uh, you know, we're, we're recording this, uh, remotely, uh, again, yeah. and, uh, you know, trying to isolate and, um, it's especially hard for those of us with, uh, a history of mental illness or who are currently battling depression and, um, who, to, who generally feel isolated in the first place yeah and then <laughs> we're on a video call and the cat just walked across Lori's lap yeah look oh cat butt hello um <laughs> a little uh levity um but the you know it's hard for anyone to feel isolated when you have the option to go out and see people but it's even harder when that's something that you're not supposed to do um right. and even though we have all of these forms of connections i'm sorry i'm going off on a tangent not even talking about <laughs> <laughs> everything's about um covid now nothing it's hard that's these are the times that we live in. Yeah. And, and yeah, these are the times we live in. You know, what was interesting, I'm sorry, were you going to? No, no, go ahead. What was interesting to me, and we've heard this from a couple of people um, recently, that a couple of our origin stories recently, that their parents were the big supporters. And I think Lee might be the the most overt that we've heard where he thinks that he was conceived during a horror film. <laughs> I, 
love that so much. I hope that he was. I mean, because <laughs> there is something, there is something about horror. Um, I like to think that horror gets gets in your DNA. Like if you if you really <laughs> if you really become a fan. It gets in your DNA, and usually, as as to quote Lee from from a ridiculously early age, <laughs> you know, generally at a, an inter, inappropriate age. But that's we love that. Like I love hearing those stories so much. Like five years old watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> oh my god! I do like to think that horror is singular in that way. Um, and I mean, it just would have to be on a certain level because it is, it is a physically visceral, uh, form of, you know, it's a physically visceral genre, Mm -hmm. you know, in a way very different from comedy and rom-com and even beyond, you know, your standard action adventure. Right. Um, I love it that, I love it that his parents, yeah, are such... (laughs) <laughs> big fans and specifically of slasher movies like kind of they were like young in that heyday of the slasher that lee was saying that he you know he unfortunately you know he was he was uh he, he didn't get to live during that but you know his parents introduced him to that right um so that that is really awesome that is really awesome and he painted such oh my gosh he he put me right back into into my own house when I was a kid. The way he described their living room <laughs> yeah. and the boxy TV uh-huh. and the wood paneling and the carpet. I mean, everybody has their own version of that room. If you think back to your childhood, uh-huh. um, the room where people congregated. In this place, it's the room where where horror movies were watched by the entire family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I think that what jumped out to me uh, was sort of the archetype of the outcast that Lee yeah. talked about, you know, and how he... Um, he... The... The outcast resonated with him. Leatherface, who is an outcast in a family of outcasts, and who, um, by making that connection and feeling that joy of the connection to his childhood after his, like, immediately after his suicide attempt, it sounded like, um, that... I don't want to speak for Lee, but it sounds like at that point he may have decided to uh, like integrate the idea of an outcast into his own personality and his own identity. Um, And I have a, I have a very similar, uh, like I have a similar experience where somebody basically told me, you're you're an outsider you're you're a you're not an outcast but you're uh you don't fit into any of the other groups and this was actually at a um 
a diversity conference that I was doing with students and they're like, I was like, why did I get put in this group with all the weirdos? And they're like, don't you know, you are a weirdo. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, and it, it, that like, that was for somebody who has always felt like an outsider and never, uh, like, and I was 20 I was in my mid-20s at that point before I was like, oh, shoot, I am an outsider and I am a weirdo and maybe I should be embracing this instead of like trying to find a way around it. And then it's like, oh, wait a second. Okay, so now if I embrace this, then everything gets easier. Yeah, and it, it does. Like no matter, no matter, no matter what it's about, it does. I think that there is. Yeah, there's this this evolving process. This this evolving process um, with a lot of horror fans because I've heard it in a, in a number of origin stories. Now it's like the point at which. The feeling, feeling different feels bad. And then the point at which feeling different starts to feel good. Right. Um, there's a certain amount of, there's a certain amount of acceptance that happens, that has to happen internally and on your own. Mm -hmm. And then I think with, you know, horror in the age of social media, and even before social media, horror, horror fans found ways to find each other. Right. Um, but I think then, like, in addition, bringing yourself into a community, seeking out members of your tribe, you know, your horror tribe, I think that's a key step in the process. Like I, I was always kind of a, um, kind of a, 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 I didn't have a horror community. Social media has definitely changed that for me, but mm -hmm. really even before social media, it was my local horror meetup group. I mean, right. watching horror movies is something that I always just did alone. Um, with the exception of my, my very good friend, like, you know, just I, my friend Nick, we have been friends our entire adult lives, and, and he is the one that we, we always have the annual horror fest together. Mm -hmm. So Nick and I have been watching horror movies together for, you know, probably two decades. Um, and then I have a, another local friend, Rebecca, who we discovered a mutual love of horror films, and we get together. I usually go to her place, and and we'll make like a whole, a whole Friday night slumber party of it, you know, Aww. a few times a year. Um, yeah, and it then the local then it was the local horror meetup group where I decided I want to take this love that I of this genre that I have, and I got I want to go meet other people. Mm -hmm. um, who have it too and then of course you know you and I through starting the podcast you know it's it we're we're, we're bonding around it in different kinds of ways because of of our format but it's yeah. cool to it's cool to have I mean 
you know, you who are such a good friend of mine, and here's this thing. We also do this thing together. And, you know, it's funny because I would not have considered myself a horror fan, but then when I sit and think about it, I'm like, oh, no, I've seen that movie, and I've seen that movie, and and that one, and that one, and that one, and I've read that book, and, um, you know, I've had a couple of meetings at work, uh, like book club meetings at work, and they're like, you know, tell us something that no one would think about you, or tell somebody that nobody else knows about you, and I'm like, well, uh, so I'm doing a podcast about horror movies and actually the girl sitting across the table who I knew I liked anyways, she was like, oh, I love horror movies and I, you know, what's your podcast and I want to listen to it. I was like, oh, okay, sure. Isn't it? That is like the best when that happens where you tell someone that you're a horror fan and their and their eyes light up, right? You know that is just like one of those absolute magic <laughs> moments. You know, like oh, okay. I mean, there's yes. It's always it's always wonderful to meet <laughs> to meet more of us. You right. Know? Um, so something that I think that's really interesting that Lee talks about um, is how he grew up in. Oklahoma in so the south during the satanic panic where mm-hmm. uh and I don't I, I know very little about the satanic panic but I know that there's another podcast out there that I want to listen to and I can't remember the name of it right now but um maybe we'll put it in show notes um but that um you know where talking about horror and being a fan of horror movies, being a fan of things like Dungeons and Dragons and um, books with witches. Like, do you remember when Raw Dolls the Witches was being banned in schools? Oh, I don't remember that. I, so I think Lee and I are just about the same age. And um, thankfully, I had we had moved, my family had been living in Dallas and we moved up to Cincinnati. So the satanic panic wasn't quite so like life and death up there, but I remember it going on. Um, but, and people trying to ban like raw doll books from the, uh, from the school libraries. And I was like, but it's, it's fun. And it's, imaginary and even as like a 10 year old I was like it's fun it's imaginary why why would you yeah how is it that the kids understand better than the than the adults that this is not real well but also (laughs) we I grew up in a house where my you know everything you were allowed to read whatever you want and we talked a lot about what's real and what's not and what's fictional and um which was hard for me too because I had a very overactive imagination um but talking about I think that's the thing is that you know not talking about what's real and what's imaginary and what's fantasy um especially when the adults in the room 
think that it's a real threat. Right. Like, that's where the problem is, really, when the adults in the room are like, no, really, like, you're gonna, if you read this stuff, then you're allowing Satan in. It's like, ew. Yeah, and if you play your, if you play your ACDC record backwards, (laughs) you're gonna become an axe murderer or whatever, you know. So, it's interesting because I was telling somebody this story recently that, Okay, way back in the day, Kroger, which is our one, is, is a regional a regional uh, grocery store chain. That's that's kind of like our our before we started getting cool stuff like Publix. You know, mm. was, we had Kroger, and way back in the day, they rented videos. So Kroger yeah. had its own video mm-hmm. aisle. And I remember I would always go straight to the horror section. So I'm just like, you know, looking at trying to find the next great slasher. And there's like, you know, cans of green beans, you know, the next time <laughs> over or whatever. Yeah. And there was a mother and I, I, I grew up in the South. I live in the South. Um, and I, I did then, you know, so that's, that's where I was. I was mm-hmm. in Tennessee. And um, the, the movie The Nightmare Before Christmas was on the shelf, which is just like this amazingly awesome <laughs> movie. Yeah. Um, um, Tim Burton. And the there was a mother and her little boy, and the little boy was looking at that, at that movie cover and expressing some interest in it. And she made some comment about like, you know, that is, that is just, that is, that is evil you know that is not the meaning of christmas and i just thought oh god this poor kid <sighs> poor kid i hope he i hope that he remembers this movie and that he goes when he gets older and sneaks and watches it and then i hope he watches way worse stuff <laughs> well and i mean i think that your hope probably did happen because <laughs> there's no better way to get a kid to do something than tell them that they can't do it absolutely like absolutely i mean my toddler if you tell him no he will cry and pitch a fit if you pick him up and move him to another room he forgets about whatever it was that he wanted um i can that work on adults please i think it does i mean okay i want somebody to just pick me up and put me in another room and then i will forget about what a shitty week last week was oh oh, i'm sorry I do. I so appreciate, and I appreciate it so much. I can't even be jealous. I so appreciate the fact that Lee was raised on horror uh-huh. by his own parents. Like <clears throat> I, um, horror was in my environment indirectly i and it was kind of like your experience it was it was books were a part of it uh-huh. um i had older sisters and they started bringing home stephen king and these creepy ass pulp paperbacks about dolls that will come to life and kill you in your sleep yeah and and, um, <laughs> but we never really watched you know scary movies as a family like I do have some memories and these are some of my favorite memories because it, you know, it makes me wonder if my mother could possibly have been 
you know, maybe like a closet horror fan or something, because I do have memories of my mother and I watching some sort of kind of campier horror movies, like, uh-huh. um, uh, like watching the movie It's Alive, which is a <laughs> yeah. late 70s movie about this like killer mutant baby that goes on a murderous rampage. And um, <laughs> there was some, and there were just a, a couple of other movies I, re- I remember. And what, what I remember about watching them with her was there'd be some goofy, some just so, such a goofy thing that would happen on the screen. And we would just turn and look at one another at the same time and kind of have this like little smile, like, oh my God, this movie is <laughs> ridiculous and we are completely enjoying it so much. Oh, so. <laughs> yeah, I think that, you know, um, Lee calls that out. Can you use horror as connection? And I think absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You know what keeps coming to mind for me is... You know, it's a little bit date rapey, but the the fact that teenage boys often take girls to go see horror movies <laughs> so that the girl will jump and scream and that he can, like, put his arm around her so that she feels safe and, like, in in the... And he can... Uh, and no, he can what? <laughs> and, you know, and like in all those movies, you know, the... the the arm just gets stretched around where you're, te- you're touching a little bit of side boob, you yeah, know, or whatever. Exactly, Manufacturing exactly. that little moment. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I definitely think that, um, you know, the thing, two things that he called out that, uh, yeah, you can use horror as a connection to other human beings. And by golly, if it works and it keeps you alive, do it. Um, Absolutely. and that also that there are stories behind all of these movies. Um, I think that we tend to interpret movies and stories that we read or, um, story. <laughs> I couldn't tell if you were like showing me your Wonder Woman mug. <laughs> Oh, you can see that my gigantic Wonder it's, Woman coffee it's mug. It's as big as your head. Right um, that, uh, that we interpret any movie that we watch in the time that we see it. So in the context of the time that we see it, we just um, went through Invasion of the Body Snatchers and we were talking about it in the context of COVID-19 And one of the things that you mentioned, Laurie, was that, like, you want people to get away from one another. You want people to, like, distance themselves from one another. And I think that, like, whether it's environmental or political or social or just emotional for yourself, what you're thinking about and feeling at the time that you read a story or watch a movie uh, in influences how you interpret that. And so then that story gains all these layers in your mind. And you know, I know we're like, we're, we're, 
we we know that we just recorded <laughs> before this episode of an invasion of body snatchers and i'm trying not to like cross pollinate too much because people won't have the uh the context but it just hit me like speaking of you know kind of like the perspective of the times in which you watch maybe that's why i was happy that we watched the 1978 version Mm. for the show and not the original because the 78 version is the remake and I guess I, what I just learned about myself is I'm totally fine that now that I will see the 1978 version, it's always going to be probably through the lens of the of, of this, you know, the COVID situation. Mm-hmm. I think I want to keep the original from the 50s kind of like a little pure and separate from that. Yeah. yeah. Like, which I think in a way, just because it was from the 50s, it, it's just going to have a different different feel it's not going to feel as immediately relatable to present day you know because everything was just so heightened and the ideas about what our technology was going to be was you know what it was but right i don't know that's maybe that's maybe that's why i felt that way about that but anyway i digress um i was thinking about i I loved how lee talked about his family he talked about his horror pushers. Yeah. Right. So there's a couple things I want to talk about. I want to talk about about guides and about talismans. Ooh. Because that's really what he's talking about. His his guides, um, very uniquely and awesomely, were were first and foremost his parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course he talked about um, you know, other horror hosts that he grew up on, like Joe Bob and, mm-hmm. and Zachary and um and um I think that's uh these horror guides are important for us. There are people who either directly or indirectly um open this pathway to horror and then you know who those guides are change over time. So as we get to be adolescents and early teens and we're able, even if we're still sneaking, even if we're still sneak sneaking it mm-hmm. there, it's easier to, to, to seek out the horror independently. Um, although then like our guides become like our friends, you yeah. know, the friends in the neighborhood and school. And um, so I think that's really, really important. And then, you know, I think I think that with horror, we also we value we value the objects of horror, right? Like, oh my God, just all the amazing box sets and the original <laughs> art and the posters mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And they are like they are like um, talismans, you know. And Lee Lee. Texas Chainsaw Massacre was a very important talisman for him. He found a physical copy of that DVD in, you know, the older woman that he was seeing in her in her movie collection, and it was it was just what he needed. Um, and I can just I just try to imagine how he must have felt in that moment finding that movie. And whether he was fully processing it at the time or not, just 
it had to have been a magic moment. Mm -hmm. Um, and just reminds us how powerful it's just how deep, how deeply horror gets into us and how the, the objects associated with horror, they almost have met, they almost have magic powers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, um, we went to a park yesterday just to kind of get outdoors a little bit. And as we were driving away, there was this guy whose truck had been um, parked in front of ours. And we went up and did a U-turn around it. And I was like, that guy's got a Jason mask on his uh, dashboard of his black truck. (laughs) I was like, kind of want to talk to him. Okay, we got to go. Like, also, you know. That's awesome. You know, one of my, one of my big talismans is I think my, my, one of my first introductions into horror, and I'll, I'll probably, I'll probably mention this every damn episode because I just cannot stress how important this thing is to me, but it was this, this issue of horror tales, um, of the horror tales comic uh, that was at my grandmother's house. I read it every time I went there. Mm-hmm. Um, I now have, I've now have my own copy oh. um, that, that I, that I got from eBay and I literally keep it around me like a lot of the time. Like it's actually sitting on my coffee table <laughs> because the, the, the endless fascination that I had with how gory that cover was (laughs) it it has not it has not lost its spell on me at at all so i just gosh there's something about just having those objects close to you i don't i don't know what it is and then seeing seeing them like you said in your environment when you don't expect to right it's pretty awesome yeah 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 well, uh, have we made it to the end of another origin story? I think we have. And I, I don't think it is an exaggeration to talk about horror changing your life, about how horror can help save your life. Yeah. I think, that's, I think it's absolutely true. And um, I'm just really honored to be a part of conversations about how that is true. Well, I'm really honored that you... Uh, chose me out of all of the people that you could have had these conversations with. Um, I'm, you know, this is a really cool thing that we're doing. And um, if I do say so myself. <laughs> I think you did. And I agree with you. And I hope other people do too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't want to uh, downplay the importance of what Lee and Brittany are doing over there on Night of the Horror File um, and a lot of the other podcasts that are the horror podcasts that are out there in the community. We're doing really important work, but they're probably doing more important work. <laughs> so, um, well, 
Yeah, it's certainly it is certainly helping us all preserve our sanity. Mm -hmm. um, just just another example, just another example of how horror and the community around around it does that. So, yeah. thank you, thank you, everybody. You know, take care of yourself out there, not just physically, but mentally during this period. You yeah. know, as we're all sort of a little bit more. Um, physically alone and separated from our friends and family, but we've got there's there's a whole community out here, and I have to remind myself of that as well because I I tend to I, I I can hibernate at the drop of a hat, so yeah yeah <laughs> I tend to remind myself right. Well, okay, uh, stay spooky. Yep, stay spooky. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Tune in next time for another origin story from your horror community. Till next time, this is Dear Final Girl. Remember, stay alive out there.